Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 231 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Wednesday evening. It is an emergency podcast, the second one this week. And joining me this time around, Eric Cole is here, even dead early early in the morning, late in the evening. It's not a normal time for Eric Cole. Thank you for joining me, sir. Can we talk about how the fact that these emergency pods involving Nick Marcakis seem to keep falling on Eric Day's? For the podcast, where Scott gets to talk about like the cool faulty stuff and trades and stuff like I'm not, that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that was cool. I'm not sure the faulty thing was cool necessarily. Well, at least it was interesting, you know, as opposed was. to just kind of weird. It was very, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, this was not one that I thought we were going to be doing uh, in part, and we'll start here. Obviously, Nick Markagas is back with the Braves. That's the biggest news. That's why we're doing the emergency podcast midweek. Um, and again, go back and check out our last two episodes, which are both less than four days old at this moment. Um, but as as recently as like a week ago, national reporters were still talking about the fact and reporting essentially that players that opted out could not return. But that swiftly changed today, and uh, the first time this has happened in baseball anywhere. Um, originally, it was kind of crazy when this news broke because I looked around and several of us did like, wait, can he can he actually do this? And then. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic and Dave O'Brien of The Athletic wrote a co-byline piece. I'm going to read you what they wrote here, and it says, It was reported at the time that any player not classified as high risk to to severe COVID-19 complications would be ineligible to play all season upon opting out and being placed on the restricted list. But MLB rules included a process for players returning from from the restricted list, and that's still held provided that a player applied for reinstatement before August 1st. And Eric, it is before August 1st. So Nick Markakis gets to come back. He gave uh, a press conference that was a surprise, obviously. Talked about the fact that uh, he felt like he needed to be out there with his team. He did acknowledge, by the way, that COVID is worse now than when he opted out. but uh, And kind of, I guess, pointed to that. And sort of at least made 
note of the fact that it's kind of weird that he would choose to come back now based on that, but he even said that he bailed on the team. That was a direct quote from Marcakis. Uh, and by the way, this has been in the works for the last couple days. Buster Olney reported that the first contact between Alex Anthopoulos and Marcakis was Friday, so that's almost a week of discussions. Um, and apparently he's already been cleared to, I guess, work out in Gwinnett as he starts to get ready here. So I say all of that, all the details out there, a, we were all shocked, so I'm, I'm assuming that was, it was a shock to you, but uh, was there a reaction from you from you beyond the shock? Well, again, first was just the confusion, like, you know, is this something that could actually happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the the bigger things I started thinking about were, yes, it makes the Braves better and deeper to have Narcakis in the lineup right now, particularly against righties. Um, like having that guy who can, you know, hit, hit above average against righties is an important thing right now. And we've kind of talked at length multiple times now about how this lineup can be a little bit of a struggle against right-handed pitching, especially if they're, you know, they can throw particularly hard, um, you know, having kind of a guy that you can, you know, play against those hit, those pitchers and kind of lengthen your lineup a little bit, you know, outside of, you know, hoping that Ozzy figures things out with that left-handed swing of his and, you know, obviously Freddie, but, um, I think overall he's, you know, this is obviously like a, a thing that makes the team better. Um, I don't want to see him batting fifth every day. Uh, I imagine <laughs> now that I've said that, that, you know, for the next week, you know, that once he starts playing for the Braves, like he's going to be batting too high and be relied on for too much, especially without going through any sort of, you know, spring, summer training camp or whatever, or considering how long he's been out. Now, all of that said, I do wonder about some things. One is that the, the, the rationale just kind of, you know, there was this bit of more of a buyer's remorse type thing. Like he, he made a decision and regretted it. And I feel bad for guys like Matt Adams, who ostensibly will lose a lot of playing time. Um, that would be my guess uh, with Mark Higgins back in the fold. He, you know, might even, he, he, might, he, he might even lose a roster. We'll, we'll talk about this, but he well, might even well, eventually lose a roster spot. Would he have even signed with the Braves if this was something that he even thought was possible? Yep. Um, and, you know, there's you start thinking, going through decisions like that. Um, obviously that this also, Mark Hick is coming back also because it's incredibly unlikely now that the Braves are going to circle back to Yasiel Puig. Um, if you know if that if that was ever going to be something that they could circle around back to, it's it's something that's very, very unlikely now because you reinstate Mark Higgins. Now there's, you know, financial reasons why that makes a ton of sense for the Braves to do. They'd rather be paying what they're going to pay Mark Higgins versus what they would probably have to pay Puig for on a one-year deal. Yep. Um, but there are, there are real like roster things that kind of, I, I don't know if I'm like upset about so much as just like, it kind of complicates some things and like in a vacuum, he makes the team better, but there's, there's some ripple effects that like makes me wonder a little bit about kind of, the decision-making process on the brave side and kind of makes me wonder kind of what their thoughts are on like, you know, the, the Puig situation and um, you know, what, what they're going to be planning to do with some of these guys that are going to have to trim off the roster because it kind of takes up one more slot because there is no chance that Mark Higgins is getting trimmed from a roster in no. any of these cuts coming up. Zero. Yeah. So I, I would, case, I would and, agree. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, there's, there's so much fallout and you're, you're making that point, but you know, eventually the roster has to get slashed to 28, then 26. I'm hundred percent with you that Marcakis, uh, barring an injury is going to be on the team. Now he's not going to leave again, um, or be cut 
by the Braves. I, I think we don't know how this conversation went, and we'll never know between Anthopolis and Marcakis, but um, it's at least possible that Anthopolis was like kind of trying to get Marcakis to come back. Um, on one side, he could, it could have just been presenting the uh, presenting the information to hey to say, hey Nick, if you ever wanted to come back, this is the deadline, and maybe that was it. Or Anthopolis sure. was like, "Hey Nick, please come back," <laughs> uh, and we don't, we don't, we don't know, we don't know which one of those it was. Um, but regardless, uh, th- that stuff happened, and uh, there is fallout. We'll, we'll talk about like the decisions that have to be made now, eventually. But I do want to echo what you said at the beginning, and make sure that we at least acknowledge this repeatedly on the podcast because of our, at least in part because of our reputation with Marquecas. I, I fully agree that he makes the team better uh, we have talked now for the last several episodes about the team's issues against right-handed pitching um, which honestly were magnified by his first decision to opt out um, that was the first time that we really talked about this ad nauseum was like he was one of the guys that you was that you assumed was, was going to hit well against right-handed pitching we knew he'd play against right-handed pitching and ever since then we've been talking about this um, and he seemingly fits uh, sort of fills that hole back. I am going to hope beyond hope that they understand how to use him, um, and basically they can use him in the way they've been using Matt Adams so far. Um, obviously, he'll play the outfield, and Matt Adams is not going to play the outfield. But um, basically, yeah, never again. I'm all set on that. Against against left against left-handed pitching, he just should not play as long as they have Adam Duvall um, active, basically. But it is what it is. Like again. We have to assume. Okay, we don't have to. I'm going to assume that they are going to use Marquecas reasonably until they're not. Um, I could be proven wrong, obviously, um, but reg- regardless, he is better than the competition. He is better. I think it's not a given because nothing is in baseball. But I believe he is better than Matt Adams. I believe he's better than Scott Schebler. I believe he's better than Char- than Charlie Culberson. And those are the guys that he's competing for for a roster spot. And uh, while I think Yasiel Puig would be a much higher ceiling addition, um, and the Braves are obviously trying to do that, um, Marquecas is better than the other options that they have. So that's kind of where I want to make sure the the full takeaway is here. There are lots of things to discuss. There is the temptation for Brian Snicker to overvalue him, but Marquecas is someone who is set up to help this baseball team. And that is probably the biggest takeaway that I have here is that, you know, if you remove everything else, the team is better today than they were yesterday, which is kind of what matters here. Well, yeah, and then, you know, before anyone, like, shoots me a tweet, like, you forgot to talk about his clubhouse impact. Yes, I understand that everyone it thinks matters. that. It matters. Yeah, you know, I mean, it does matter. Uh, I'm not so sure that, you know, Nick Marquette is walking into a locker room, has this magic wand-like effect that seems like that everyone seems to have. That's actually why they won tonight. Eric, that's why they want to. There's gonna be a there's gonna be a ten game winning streak. He's not he's not even he's not even there yet. He's he's actually still in Gwinnett, and it doesn't yeah. matter. As soon as he as soon as he was announced, they started yeah. winning again. No, I'm I'm kidding. But you're right. It's it's he a situation where yeah. yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, it's not, there's no nuance. Like you you and I exchanged tweets about this earlier in public, so people yeah. saw this. There's just no nuance with Marquecas. Um, if 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 you say anything, and by you I mean us, if we say anything, um remotely critical or even like anything short of full-blown praise it's seen as hate and that goes the other way as well like there's just not a whole lot of room for what for whatever reason Mark Higgins is someone who is so uh polarized by his fans and critics on either side that there's not a there's not a lot of room in the middle but what we just said for the first 10 minutes is pretty much in the middle like he helps the team is he going to change the team's fortunes like overwhelmingly probably not 
Um, but it's just a situation where he he was available. He obviously wanted to come back. They like him in the clubhouse, to your point. That was probably a plus for them. How much of a plus it was, we can debate that however long we want to. But I'm sure they didn't mind having him back in the clubhouse. They like him. That's that's well documented. So pros and cons certainly. But the only time, the only way this, the only way this is bad is if a he's just done as a player because he is he is older. I'm not I'm not expecting that, but that's at least possible for anyone his age that they might just fall off. And b the the only other way that, that this backfires is if. Snicker is going to hit him fifth against left-handed pitching or something like that, which I, I think is not going to happen. I'm hoping, I'm trying to give Snicker the benefit of the doubt to because we, we've just seen him handle the splits pretty well in the first week, playing Duvall, yep, not playing Ender against against lefties, but Marquecas is, is another thing entirely. So it'll be a test. We'll see how they handle that. But that's the only way this goes badly is if he's either done, which I'm guessing he's not, honestly, or he's using correctly. That's it. Yeah. And again, you know, the lineups have looked pretty good. Uh, bullpen usage has been a little bit dicey, but the, 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 the lineups have looked good, but the lineups that have not looked good previously from Snicker are when he thought that Ender was a prototypical leadoff hitter. And we haven't, and that, that hasn't been happening. They've nope. Ender has not, Ender has been hitting where he's supposed to, and he's not been very good. But he's been excellent out there defensively, so he's been That's playing what he is. the right. He's been playing the right positions, and he's been put in the right situation. It'll be curious now with another lefty bat that is kind of a separate. It's kind of a different problem is that he's he can hit, but he can't. You know, he can't necessarily defend what Snicker does, particularly <laughs> against lefties, because now you have two guys that you don't necessarily want to play against lefties and have their challenges in unique ways. I, I will be curious as to how that works. I'm sure the DH is going to be involved. That certainly un, that certainly uncomplicates some of this. I think but. you will see, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's do this real quickly. Let's talk about A, his defense versus DH. I, I am assuming, and by the way, I, I would not criticize this, I am assuming he will play, that Mark Akis will play the outfield and Ozuna will DH against right-handed pitching. Um, That's a, a, the Braves seem to really not like Ozuna's defense, and B, they seem to like Marquez's defensive work more than most people do. Uh, but even then, like with Ozuna's arm issues, like I have no issue thinking Marquez is a better defender than Ozuna at this point. It's fine. Yeah, it doesn't he, he doesn't me look all. particularly good out there. He doesn't look good. It's fine. I mean, I I was higher on. I said this on the last podcast with Scott, but um, when you throw in the arm being apparently just gone, it's not not great. So. The only other question defensively is something I brought up earlier on Twitter is uh, I, I hope they don't they don't make Ronnie move to left and play Marquez in right, but I fear that might happen. See that you know, we, there was talk even at the end of last year that they understand that putting Nick over in left was something that was going to be uh, be in the cards for this coming years. But Again, I, I fear. Think you might, I fear. I think you might. I think you might be right. Like you know, that's just his spot. And you know, is that honestly? I'm guilty of this. That is not the biggest deal in the world. I'll say that right now. That's not an earth-shattering decision. I do think that they should play Marquegas in left and not right, but uh, it's not worth like a half-hour emergency show if they don't do that. But uh, that's one thing I want to make sure we cover real quickly is that I'm expecting him to play the outfield, and I'm okay with that, even while acknowledging I think he's an overrated defender by many. But he he is he's at least I think he's at least as good as Ozuna at the moment, given what we've seen from Ozuna. Um, so that's, it's fine. And obviously Ozuna's going to be in the lineup regardless. Cause he's been mashing beyond, um, beyond all mashing. 
so far. So, so that's, that's number one. I want to get that out of the way. Number two is, and we alluded to it briefly earlier, there's a roster crunch uh, coming. Um, we've alluded to this as well. Eventually, the Braves are going to have to get down to 13 position players. Um, it's about three weeks away, or maybe a little bit less than that at this point in time. They have to go to 28 first, and then down to 26 on the full roster. Once they get down to 26, it's going to be 13 and 13, almost certainly, by everything that's been discussed. Um, and right now, if you include Scott Shubler, who, by the way, the Braves added to the roster today, um, before is before the Marquecas news, the Braves, in addition to um, activating the two catchers who are healthy now, which that's good to hear, um, they brought in Scott Shubler, who we talked about in the last podcast. But if you include Shubler, they have 16 guys for 13 spots. If you were to take Shubler out, given the Marquecas edition, which is probably reasonable, I don't know, they, they still have 15. So for me, there are like, 11 or 12 locks and uh, 13 if you include Marquecas. Like, I think he becomes the 12th or 13th lock because he's going to be a lock as we talked about. So they have to probably part ways, at least on the active roster, barring injury, with two or three of the uh, Culberson, Adams, and uh, Shubler crew. Um, so just keep that in mind. Like, I'm not sure who it's going to be. Adams was obviously playing and has been playing against the right-handed pitching. Um, I'm assuming that spot's going to be Marquecas's, but do they want to keep Adams uh, around for insurance? Do they want to consider Shoveler, who they, who they just acquired? Culberson, I think, is the easiest cut of them all, but maybe they disagree with me on that. Uh, it, obviously, they have three weeks to decide this, but ultimately, they have 16 guys right now on the uh, roster who are position players, and they just can't carry that many uh, very soon. They have to start making decisions. And, uh, you know, I have my opinions, but there are 16 guys that they probably think are major league players. Yeah, and I think that you're targeting the the right guys in terms of what the cuts are going to be. I mean, Shoveler was just kind of a guy they picked up just to kind of, you know, shore up some depth because they were worried about, you know, just having enough depth, depth going through the first couple of weeks. Um, and just have you know trying out some different options and seeing what's going to go on. And I don't think Shevler's necessarily a guy that's going to be sticking around for very long. Uh, I'm actually not sure. He's you, you have to take some pretty big leaps to kind of get me to believe that he's going to be a, a piece in this major league roster going forward. Especially now. Uh, I mean, I know, already yeah, kind of thought that it was it was interesting, uh, and I wasn't sure how they were going to maybe weave him in. Now that Marquez is there, I just don't I don't see how that's supposed to happen for Shevler. With all due respect, I think he's a major league baseball player i just don't i don't know how they keep him around yeah not on this roster on the active Um, roster right now barring injury yeah and i mean matt adams is kind of the same problem um you know the the, having the lefty bat off the bench is nice but you know that's that's the that the the notion that you need that as much when you have the dh versus having to like you know you know play around with the pitcher's in the order and stuff like that. I mean, we we so also it, saw them use him at first to give Freddie a day. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure Freddie well, will love that moving forward. Well, well and that's what Mark Akis is here for now, too. I mean, that's... <laughs> well, yeah, you would think that maybe he could play first. I mean, at first is not a spot you worry about filling. Like, Riley, Riley could play right. if he had to. And, right. um, yeah, I, I am, I'm pro Adams. Really, Riley's yeah. really good at third, though. By the way, yeah, heck of a play to end the game um, by Austin yes. Riley almost playing shortstop in a shift. Uh yeah, he's been he's been good over there at third, um, in a pleasantly surprising way because I've been not the biggest zealot on his defense. He looks pretty good. Um, so yeah, all that to say, I, I think for me, and again, this might be an easier decision if they get an injury or two because that's obviously possible. Um, 
Culberson is the one I think is just like an auto cut. And then I would imagine it's going to be Culberson and Adams, and they'll just keep the 12 plus Marquecas. Because we've had the 12 in our heads this whole time, but just as a refresher, that's Freeman, Ozzy, Dansby, Riley, Camargo, Flowers, Darno, Acuna, Ozuna, Ender, Duvall, and Hechevarria. That's the 12 that they've had the whole time. Uh, and if you only have if you only have thirteen, that means it's just those twelve and Marquecas. So yeah, and I and I and I think I mean the, the name that people are gonna like ask about is Echeverria, but we found out you have to have a real shortstop like backup shortstop. Well, he's just and, and he's just better than Culberson. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, to, I, I, I'm sorry, he's that. just better. He's better. And it's not like I'm not saying he's incredible, but uh, especially when you have Camargo. This is something we've we talked about before a number of times. Yeah. But when you have Camargo, you don't need Culberson. You just don't. That that's that's the value of having Culberson is to have a guy who plays everywhere, and they already had that guy in Camargo. So and who's better than him? So yeah, and, and, and can play around the diamond a little bit too. So yeah, even in the outfield, that's the one thing that Hetchbury hasn't done. They've got enough outfielders. It's not a they have six outfielders or seven outfielders. They have they have a ton of outfield depth. All of a sudden, so yeah. Overall, I think our takeaway is that Marquez helps the team. We'll say that again now, especially his hitting against right-handed pitching. Uh, that's something we talked about even when. Even before his first opt out, that was uh, it was as always his biggest strength. Um, when he opted out, we talked about how much of a loss that was, and now we'll say it again as he comes back. His bat against righties is is valuable, and they will uh, they will benefit from it. I, I assume. Any final thoughts on Marquez before we uh, stop this conversation? Uh, he's going to bat too high. I'm probably going to be irritated, but it'll be fine. Yeah, and even then, like I'm actually, you know, they've they've been hitting Matt Adams fifth against righties. If he hits fifth against Rice, I actually won't complain too much. I don't think it's like insane. I don't think it's like great, but if they want to split the, if they want to split Riley and Ozuna with a lefty, I understand that kind of. Or split Ozuna and Dansby, or however they want to do that, I understand it. Um, that he's not probably. We'll do. We we could do this later, but I, I do think that that's not going to infuriate me if he hits fifth against Rice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and honestly, a guy like Marquez, who's going to get on base at a decent clip, considering what Dansby's doing right now, I mean, that's not the end of the world. That's kind of a lengthening of the lineup that I don't mind as much. Another guy who looks great, Dansby Swanson. Yeah, Dansby's looked amazing. Holy yeah, cow. shouts shouts to Dansby, and uh, fingers crossed this continues. But he looks he looks very good. Um, all right, Eric, any, any thoughts on the baseball in the last two nights? I mean, we normally reserve that for our regular shows, but obviously they had the one bad inning on Tuesday that lost them the game uh, and had some frustrating performances with runners in scoring position, including uh, loading the bases in the third and only getting one run on Tuesday to lose. Um, there was the one wild pitch from Tomlin, but the bullpen was really good. That's the one bright spot from Tuesday. The bullpen was lights out again. Um, and then obviously tonight was a lot more fun. Uh, it could have, it got a little dicey there when they blew the lead, uh, but to their credit, they, they responded right back, took the lead again, then piled on late Um and good to see Mark Melanson, by the way, slamming the door after about a week off. Hadn't seen him in a long time. It's always worrisome when you don't see a guy for a long time, but he looked good. So uh, I feel pretty good. I know people were really frustrated after Tuesday, but it's uh, I know it's a short season, but they're still going to lose baseball games. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I mean, look, that, that Rays team is really good, too. That's the yes, thing that I think that people, um, you know, when you're, the first game of the series, you have to face down Tyler Glasnow throwing 100 miles an hour. You know, it's it's tough. <laughs> I mean, and, honestly, if you look at this is I'm not trying to like cause a ruckus, but if you look at all the projection systems, all of like you know your zips and your fan graphs and your 538s and your Pakotas, all of those systems think the Rays are the Rays are better than the Braves. Like it's not I'm not saying that's definitively the case, but the Rays 
if you look at all of the numbers, are projected to be better than the Braves. So just keep that in mind. It's not like you were losing to a bad to a bad a bad baseball team this week. Like the Rays are really good. Yeah, I mean, and this was the Rays without Austin Meadows. You know what I mean? Like this is this is gonna be a scary team, and they they did. How do I put it? Their pitching was very very good, particularly their starters. Um, the Braves tried to do some damage here and there, but the the bigger issue is just you know what you're gonna do with these fourth and fifth rotation spots. You know, it looks like Justine's probably gonna get get a look there. And uh, the, the 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 quote from Snit that we had heard from today, I think it was, is that you know you have to we just have to keep running out those young guys and let them figure it out. Um, which for a team that is looking to contend uh, is an interesting strategy. But I also don't really know what else they're supposed to do. Well, and um, also that's also in, in direct contrast to what he said about Fulty, like when they basically said we can't let you run it, run it out there anymore. You know what I mean? Like. It was basically the exact opposite sentiment, which I thought was funny in some ways. Well, the the the, the thing is the number of chances that Fulty's gotten. You know I I, I like, know yeah, he's yeah, obviously yeah. not super young anymore, but I just thought that was no. pretty interesting because it was kind of you're right. It was not exactly opposite, but there was the combination of both of those things just not sitting the same for me. I don't know. I'm not sure how to say it. It's just like obviously he understands that there's more urgency this year and that's part of the reasoning that they used with parting with Fulty as quickly and as abruptly and uh matter-of-factly as they did. But on the other side they're talking about like giving the young guys rope to go out there and like do stuff. And I and I I get it on both sides. It's just kind of interesting to put those back to back like literally within 48 hours of each other. <laughs> Well, I think that the biggest thing is that it tells you how little confidence they have in Fulty. And that's, oh, I mean, and that, that was very evident by the well, move, well, I think. Well, yeah. well, my point is, like, they are willing to just let guys who might not even be on the 40-man roster right now get their shot over trying to let Fulty figure it out. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of wild when you think about where Fulty was in terms of how he was used even late last year. And also, obviously, when he was really good that, you know, for in 2018, you know, it's I, I'm still kind of like reeling that. It, I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure if I, I don't like disagree with the decision, but at the same time, like it's kind of wild. Yeah, no, it was a crazy night and we we uh, we reacted uh, with that kind of sentiment, like a wow kind of thing that happened the other night. If you missed that reaction, you can still find it on this podcast feed. Uh, all right, Eric, I, I promise you I'll keep it short. So we're going to sign off. But uh, an interesting day in Braves land. They won a baseball game. That's a good thing. They adds, they added to their coffers in terms of right-handed, uh, sorry, left-handed hitting against right-handed pitching. And uh, the team is better, and they won. So it should be an all uh, an all kinds of positive day. They'll be back in action on Thursday. They're back at home. Truist Park is 1-0 in its existence. There you go. Marlins are still ahead in the division. Uh, welcome. yeah, we, well, we could, we could spend 10 minutes on the, uh, on the Marlins. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> um, maybe that will, maybe we'll talk about that later on, on our, on our next show. Like all of the craziness and that is coming with the COVID fallout and the suspension, uh, uh, suspension of games and postponements and scheduling quirks and all this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, hopefully the Braves will avoid any of the fallout of that. I'm not sure they will, but we'll see. Final, you, you any, any final thoughts before we sign off? No, I mean, Soroka's look good. I'm looking forward to... I'm, I'm, I'm really oh, there it is. Kevin. There yep, it is. Yep, Soroka yep, my, had, my, had to get my, it in there. Yep, had to. You know, For branding purposes more than anything. That's but he fine. did look good. Uh, did. Darren O'Day really made his line, his line look significantly worse, but overall, Soroka looked good. Um, but Except for the one pitch that, where he fell down. That was a bit strange. That was a bit strange. Yeah, I, 
Did you get worried? I'll say that. Did, did you get worried oh, when when, when they made it when they made him throw the uh, warm up pitch after oh, that? Absolutely. I, you know, it looked like he rolled an ankle or something. That's always scary. But I, I think that the, there's just an issue with the mound, and I think he might have ended up just being a little bit sore from that, just because you know you roll your ankle or tweak it a little bit, you know. But yeah, overall, like you know, like those those things, those those, those are kind of weird fluke things that happened. I don't really stress too much about it. Once like he was, like the next pitch, he struck out the guy, so it wasn't like the biggest deal. Fair, um, but. Uh, yeah, I'm just I've been really enjoying having baseball to watch and enjoy. Uh obviously there's things that continue to happen that make me wonder, you know, what the hell we're even doing here, but overall <laughs> um it's, you know, it's it's a welcome distraction from a very chaotic period in I think all of our lives. And, you know, assuming we can do this safely and like no one, you know, <laughs> I I it doesn't get any worse. We're, I feel like, you know, other than one team, it seems like everything seems to be kind of settling in a little bit. I'm going to knock on some wood here to make sure. But yep. overall, like, it's I'm, – I'm just happy that baseball's back. You know, the, the watching the, the games with no fans in the stands hasn't been as big of a distraction as I thought it would be. Uh, the crowd noise has been kind of hysterical in terms of how it's been employed. But overall, I'm, I'm just glad that baseball's back. And I can actually start, you know, talking about baseball that's actually happening. You know, it's just it, overall it's been really good. The, Twitter's been, you know, it's it's kind of gotten back to normalcy on there too, where you know people are actually talking about baseball and the things that people are complaining about are things I'm more used to rather than kind of getting in some dark parts parts of humanity that I'd rather not see on Twitter anymore. <laughs> oh, we'll leave it there. All right. Well, Eric, thank you for joining us for this emergency podcast. If you are a new listener, welcome. We do not usually do three episodes in four days. But uh, when things happen, we will break in and we will talk about baseball. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow Eric. Follow Scott if you want to, who's been here the last couple podcasts. Follow me if you like basketball talk. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 